Welcome to the town hall meeting, everybody. I'm your state senator, Paul Lavota. We're calling this dialogue with state senator Paul Lavota, and you're looking at me right now, wondering why do they have all the microphones and all the cameras and everything? Right? Is anyone else wondering that? I am. Well, are you wondering that, Chris? Yes. Well, you always wonder about everything. <laughs> the reason is that every week, uh, myself and Councilman Whiting do a podcast. And who's the young people in the room can tell us what the podcast is? Um, those of us used to listen to the AM Transistor Radio. Now they do a podcast. And we do a podcast and we talk about what's going on. And it's a complete ripoff of an idea that Congressman Jerry Litton did. He had a thing every month called Dialogue with Litton where he would meet with constituents and talk about what was going on. So in an attempt to try to reach out to folks in a completely different way, um, we do the podcast. And so I thought, let's do a town hall meeting, um, have a little bit of dinner before, and i got to make sure Tony gets invited next time to the dinner, uh, and have a, a conversation and tell you what's going on. My, my goal on this is to um, every month have something where we have a different guest. Uh, this week, this time I have Chris, who is uh, my oldest and dearest friend, but uh, he'll tell us what's going on in the city. So don't don't worry about any of this stuff. And we're also recording it. We're going to put it on YouTube because, again, how do you get people engaged nowadays? You know, those of you that are here are already engaged citizens. So how do we get more people engaged? And it's an experiment. So bear with me. Uh, and we'll just we'll just act like all this stuff is here. Is that is that okay? So, with that said, I'll welcome Chris Whiting. Welcome, Chris Whiting. Hey, thank you, Paul Lavota. <laughs> Chris, it's good to be here. Chris is the uh, mayor pro tem of of the city of Independence. And Chris, the other day on the Facebook, it reminded me you've been elected for two years. Yes, two two years. So. Um, we did a joint town hall meeting, I think, at Christmas at one point. We did. We did one at Christmas. We did one here, too. We did one here, too, mm-hmm. right? So this this moves on along, and uh, you're our special guest. Oh, wow. So I don't know Thank if you, you. want to uh, say a few words or yeah, be- tell us what's going on with the city, and maybe I'll answer, ask some questions. We also have, so if you guys want to ask some questions, we actually use the microphone. Courtney's going to help with that. Usually Courtney's on the podcast, too, with her two cents. Hi, Courtney. Okay. So what's going on in the city? Well, hey, you can tell these fine folks here. First of all, it's just it's great to be here and it's great to see everybody out here. Paul talked about an engaged citizenry and nothing beats people that are concerned, that get involved, that ask questions, that want to know what's going on and that want to help out their community. So thanks for coming out. As Paul said, I am Chris Whiting, the I'm an at-large city council member, so I represent the entire city, not any particular district. I also serve as the mayor pro tem and Actually, how many times have we done dialogue as a sh- as a well, radio show? Well, we used to, when I was in the house, we had it on the AM, and we right. did it every week before you were before silly, I was ever elected. silly enough to even get elected. Right? Yes. You even want to do that? You should have known better. <laughs> and then we've done the podcast for twelve weeks, or maybe okay, not quite a year. But we've been on several different radio stations. Now we're doing the podcast, and now it's fun to actually have an audience and do this live, which right. is very cool. So the city, today, we had the mayor's prayer hour, which was a very nice event that we had today. It had been a prayer breakfast for years and years, started by Dick King um, way, way back, and the tradition has carried on. My father was on the city council with Mayor King. 
Oh yes, and, th- and then, there's former council member Sam Lavota, and then Mayor. Yay! Yay! Sam. Yay! <laughs> and then and Mayor King went on to be Department of Revenue, and then if you remember, ran for mayor of Kansas City. I do remember that. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So today we had the Mayor's Prayer Hour, and moved it from a a six thirty in the morning event to a four o'clock in the afternoon event, which much more it's much better for me. And had a real well, nice time. Pie. He had pie. Yeah, had some had some good pie from the people at the Laurel Club over at the uh, Community of Christ Auditorium. The theme was uh, gratitude, celebrating our diversity, and we had uh, Reverend Jarvis from the First United Methodist Church up on the square spoke, and it was a very nice event. So that happens every year. If you get a chance, you should come out and see it again. Uh, big, hot Hot topics, big items going on in the city right now. Number one, we continue to hear and discuss and work towards more economic development here in Independence. You know, we got some good news a while back about Unilever. We were afraid they might be leaving town. Not only did they stay, but they are expanding their facility and adding 70 jobs. And they've taken the wishbone line that they were making out and then the Knorr line of gravies and sauces, and that's K-N-O-R-R, I believe, is coming to Independence. So, good news there. Uh, tourism is an- another Can I big ask you issue. About, right there on 35th Street, there's been lots of improvement. I think it's part of a plan of the city to improve le- uh, 39th Street, 35th Street, and then down Nolan. Yes. Is well, Tell me about that. Okay, so there's a what's called a CID. It's a CID, Community Improvement District, and... All of the businesses along Nolan Road were had to vote, and business owners and, and people that own buildings along there voted to form a CID, and they will collect a special tax that will be overseen by the city so they don't just collect your money and do whatever they want. And there's a plan to beautify Nolan Road and make it more attractive. You know, there's probably no more nostalgic gateway or corridor in Independence than Nolan Road, and it's not what it used to be. It's not that it's blighted or there's no businesses there. There are, but we would like it to be more attractive. Often that's the front door of Independence. When people come down I-70, they get off on Nolan to go up and see our historic sites. So we want to bring more businesses, make it more aesthetically pleasing. So when people first come to Independence, they go, okay, this this looks nice. Mm-hmm. So And then uh, 30, 35th Street looks great. Thank you. And I know it's – well, you're welcome. I mean, I didn't do the work yeah. myself. Well, but, it, you know you what? Know. It didn't happen before he was in office. <laughs> That's so true. Yes. You take credit for that. Yeah, 35th Street looks very good. And then we've got the Walmart neighborhood market that's gone right there on 35th and Nolan. And the location of that's been really nice for the high-rise that's back there, the apartments that are back there. People can can easily get there either walking or with their cars. I, I just got a letter from a constituent the other day that said a lot more traffic going on there. People are walking to get their groceries. It would probably be a good idea to put in a pedestrian crosswalk with uh, a sign. Between the high-rise and the Walmart? Yeah, well, and between, really, we'd probably do it um, across 35th on the east side, going from north and south, and then also from the Sonic over to the Walmart and have crosswalks there, yeah. lighted crosswalks. So yeah. because there's more pedestrian traffic right. now. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah. 
And then 39th Street will be beautified very soon. Probably going to add some turn lanes on 39th and Noland and make it easier for cars to, to uh, traverse. So that's what, kind of exciting think, there. What do you, before we ask, they can ask some questions, what do you see as the biggest challenge our city has from a city government? From a city government yeah. point of view? I think the biggest challenge that we have is also one of our biggest strengths. We, we are a, a very proud community. We have a unique history that nobody else in the Kansas City area has. And it, it's a point of pride for us, and it should be. I think also it's made us not participate as much as we could have with the surrounding communities in the greater Kansas City area. We just started attending some meetings with the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce, and the comment was, oh, Independence is here. Where have you guys been? So we've kind of kept to ourselves, and, I mean, we're, we're the best-kept secret in the Kansas City area. Uh-huh. You know, We're a town of nearly 120,000 people that many people consider to be a secret. I've, I've gotten texts, many texts, from people that I work with over in Overland Park who've come to a Mavericks game. They're like, hey— your event center is very nice. Independence is really cool. I got a text from somebody else. Hey, I came up to go to the uh, is it the Gilbert and Whitney, the kitchen supply store on the square. Your Independence Square is beautiful. I had no idea. So we've got these attractions to pull people in, to get people to come, spend their money here in Independence to enjoy what we have. We just need to let them know. Yeah, and, and that making we're here. things like Nolan Road, making making Nolan Road better, beautiful. There are talks of putting plans in place to also make Truman Road more beautiful from the Stone Arch Bridge into the city. Yeah. And, you know, when you go through the Stone Arch Bridge, it's such a beautiful view of the city with the, the hills there, and you can see the Community of Christ Temple and Auditorium, and we'd like to make that beautiful and put bike routes and sidewalks and nice lights. Mm-hmm. So we're looking into the feasibility of that as well. Okay. Who has any questions for the councilman? Help us out, Courtney. I want to make sure we record his. Oh, we have to get to the microphone, Joe. Yeah. So we can hear you. Well, again, like you know, we'll, we'll put this on on iTunes, and then other people will listen, and they'll be informed too. Hi, Joe. I think it was a good thing to go to a prayer. What did you call it? The prayer hour. Prayer hour. It seemed to me that in the past years, that prayer breakfast had become a little bit divisive. They had, well, I remember one of them, they had a, a Muslim who had been a Muslim and turned Christian. And so he started, and <clears throat> rather than kind of drawing the community together and what we can celebrate together, it just kind of, you know, we left that thing really divided. You know, some wanted to get any Muslim they could find and do them in. Right. Oh, my. And I others that. felt that, uh, you know, why should we have things like that going on so i really think this prayer hour was is a very good solution for the future because were, we want to were make you there were yes you there today? i was there and at that. you know what i thought was great about it was it was someone from independence that talked yeah you know yeah. and i think in the past and they've been great programs way too early for my taste but they would bring someone in well we have a lot of great speakers and, yeah. and leaders and i liked it the way the mayor did it yeah, yeah. so i just want to affirm that well, celebrating thanks, diversity rather than yeah, yeah. It, it was. I think the mayor and her committee very astutely picked the the topic of gratitude and diversity, and they did a nice job of bringing everyone together. Had a beautiful video that I would imagine will be on City Seven um, 
It will be on City 7. I'll make sure it gets on City 7. But it was shown mm, wow. at the beginning of the prayer hour and just highlighted some of the beautiful churches in the area around here, different places of worship, uh, Christian places. There were was a Jewish place. They went to the Buddhist Rhyme Center, and it was a beautifully shot, well-done video. So we'll get that out on City 7 so everyone City can enjoy that. City TV. For you podcast listeners, the young people don't live. Well, that's TV true. Anymore. People can listen to us all over the world. Right. So, City so Seven is the local sure independence channel. People may not watch the old television. Any other, what other questions do we have for Chris? Hopefully, you have questions for me after later or Ira. Besides City Seven, if you don't take Comcast cable, you can't watch City Seven. Can they? Post them also on YouTube so that when forums and different things are done, people who have another cable company have on, access. Chris. These young people want, you know what? Well, they don't want just the television. That they is an excellent, YouTube. excellent point. And as someone who's a customer of AT&T Uverse, I, I feel your pain on that. They are posted on the city's website. So if you go out to the City of Independence website, there's a link. Uh, down toward the bottom on the left-hand side that says City 7, and you can click on there, and you they've got all the council meetings and forums on demand. So you can go right out there and watch it. And I should mention, we are getting ready to overhaul the city's website, and it's won a lot of awards for being a, a great municipal website, but we're going to make it even easier to use and to navigate. There would be no way to know that City 7's out there because the link is is buried pretty far down there. So now you know, and we will make it even easier to find in the future. So thank you. Any other questions from a city point of view for Chris? Um, with uh, areas in the metro getting like Google Fiber and things mm -hmm. like that, as far as delivering more content to the citizens, do you guys have any plans to either work with Comcast or Google or anything like that to make internet more affordable and accessible to more people? Yeah, Google's been a, a thorn in my side, quite frankly. I've there goes our website. We do a fat <laughs> podcast. I love their search engine, but we've just not gotten any communication even from the people at Google Fiber. And I have tried. There's there's a woman, uh, Rachel Hackmerlow is her name, and she's in charge of the Google Fiber project in the Kansas City area. And when I've I mean, I've called, I've emailed multiple times, and the reply I always get is, if we're interested in coming to your community, we'll let you know. So Google may not be coming. However, AT&T is beginning their own high-speed Internet service with similar speeds to Google Fiber. They are very interested in independence. When they announce the first cities that they're planning on going to, independence is in that list. Hmm. So. When it's coming, I don't know, but we've had a couple of conference calls with AT&T, and they are very interested in serving our community because, you know, they, they'd love to come in and say, okay, well, Google, if you're not going to help them, we will, because they know that there's a lot of people here who are very interested in that. So keep your fingers crossed, but AT&T seems very interested in coming to town. Um, there, I, I want to say it's Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Actually, they Wi-Fi the whole city to bring in businesses, you know, tech companies and things like that. Do you guys have any plans to do that to bring in more businesses and more jobs? That they literally gave the whole city free Wi-Fi to bring in those kind of businesses, tech companies, and things like that to increase, you know, accessibility to the internet and to 
make it viable for those companies actually to work in those towns. Do you guys have any thoughts of doing that once perhaps AT&T or if Google would have fell in the plan to do something like that to increase businesses? As of now, no plans. I think that's a fantastic idea. And once we get AT&T in here, we sh we'll look into pursuing something like that. So it's the entire city of Lexington that I, has Wi-Fi. It is in Kentucky, but they literally the whole city, or they gave Wi-Fi to the entire city in an effort to bring in tech companies and things like that's that. That's great. Things like that, which obviously brought jobs to the city, more money to the city, and things like that. I'm gonna, I'll do a little research on that and see what we can do to move in that direction, because I think that's a fantastic idea. Okay. okay. Yes, sir. Yes. How are you? If I may, two comments and a question. Okay. First comment is I applaud you for doing this, that I think it's wonderful that you're trying different ways to reach out to people. Thank and you. And I have found that you can find out tremendous amounts of information on the Internet if you just have the patience to find the sites to go to, that you can be a really well-informed voter. i also pleased that Independence is reaching out, like with the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce, and agree with you that Independence is an undiscovered gem, doesn't get the credit for all the potential that we have, and we certainly need to get out there and toot our horn. My question would be, there was an article in the Star today about TIFs and Mayor James talking about restructuring the amount they would perhaps give with the TIFs. The uh, developers and the builders were there with it. This would be the end of civilization as we know it. Right. The public school people and the librarians were there talking about we'd like more in a voice of how we could protect our tax revenue without someone giving it away without our consent. So my question would be both to the city and the state, mm -hmm. what could you do to make this a more equitable process? You, you want to hit it from the city first and then I'll tell you my thoughts. Sure. I, first of all, I did not read that article, so I'm going to have to take a look at that. I think a while back there was a time when TIFs were it. I mean, we just thought that that was the way to go no matter what. And, and TIFs that were structured in such a way that they put the city at risk, and that was some of what we ran into with the falls at Cracker Neck Creek, where when it didn't develop as fast as we had anticipated – then the burden fell to the city to make those payments. So we've restructured TIFs, where it's, it's called a pay-as-you-go TIF, where, where the burden and the, the risk no longer falls on the city, which is better for us. That being said, we've got to be more creative. We've got to have more tools in our toolbox than just TIFs when it comes to enticing businesses to come here. You know, the idea that you brought up in Lexington where they put Wi-Fi in the whole city – to increase access to internet, those are things we can do to make ourselves attractive to businesses that doesn't involve a TIF. You know, working with our school district, uh, they've got a, a new program where they're, they're working with the Ford Motor Company and they're going to increase these uh, or create these pillars of study that help kids focus on areas where they can get good jobs right out of school, or they can get technical training that can set them up to move into programs like engineering and high-tech fields that not only pay well when kids get out of school, but it's jobs where they can immediately impact their community. So as we, we look at economic development, we've got to get away from, well, let's just give them a tax break and they'll come. We've got to make it ourselves a community where businesses 
beyond taxes go, okay, that's a place where we want to go. That's where people would want to live and raise their families. As far from the, from the state, we're going to move into a little report about the state, but you're going to hear me saying over and over again for the next, hopefully till we get solved, but at least until I'm in office, is that the biggest problem that we have in our state is our tax policy. We are upside down in our tax policy. One example is that we do TIFs and we don't allow school districts and libraries to have a bigger voice in that. And it's to the detriment. And meanwhile, Jefferson City has tax policy that doesn't give the money and the resources to schools as it sees fit. So it's all compounded on each other. And so that's why when it comes to TIFs, I am all for the school district and the library board and the Metropolitan Community College, I guess they're mm-hmm. on there too, to have an even greater voice in this because they're not getting the revenues, they're not getting the support from the state. And th- when you start taking away that local tax, that's the last, that's the last point of, of revenue that they have. So uh, that's where I am with it. And, well, and I don't know if it ties you know, a city's hands, but this is revenue that we, we're using to build our community, we build our schools and, and, and build our, our libraries and such. So. Right. I also sit on the board of the Metropolitan Community Colleges as a trustee, and, and that's an issue for us because we don't even have a seat at the table when it comes to discussions about those things. The library represents us and is one vote mm-hmm. for, for us and the library, and I, I don't know who else they represent. So, Well, well let me give you my report of, of Jefferson City, and, and uh, our representative Ira Anders is here, and I appreciate you being here, Ira, because um, he'll, he'll let me know where I'm wrong. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll correct me uh, a little bit later. But just just to give in, – in, we'll open up questions. They have more for the councilman. But I want to make sure that I told you what, what's going on with the state, where I think we're headed, and then um, open up to even more dialogue and questions for everybody. There, There's a couple things that, that I see going on. You see a – last week we have an election where um, we have the uh, – the majority increased numbers dramatically in the House, and then they uh, got one more in the Senate. So we have a, a very much of a divided government. We have our governor, Jay Nixon, is a Democrat, a overwhelming majority of the legislature. Do we call it super-duper majority now? Um, as a Republican, this doesn't really bode well for cooperation and accomplishments for the next two years. And where we need that accomplishment or we need that cooperation is in when I say tax policy. What we've done in the last year, as I serve on the Ways and Means Committee, I saw from the very beginning these schemes and ideas where we come up with these ideas to cut the highest tax rate in some type of belief that when we cut the highest top richest folks in the state that it will all trickle down to everybody else. Uh, the scheme uh, came across us in, uh, I guess it would be 2013, and the governor vetoed it. It wasn't overridden. And then in this year, in Senate Bill 509, it was overridden. So in the future, we're going to have less revenue than we do now, $800 million less revenue. So people who make over $500,000 a year get a tax cut, while the rest of us get, I think, what? $35 tax cut. So you may say, well, Senator, that may 
work. But the problem that we have is when we don't have sound tax policy, we don't have the resources for the things that are important to us. And to me, the way you build a community and the way you build a state is through good education. Currently, without those tax cuts, we have $600 million short on our foundation formula. That's the formula that says how much it takes to pay for schools. If we don't have that support from the state, the school districts that I represent, Independence, Kansas City, Fort Osage primarily, has to go back to you guys in in a different way to get that money in, in a different way. Or we hurt our kids by not having that type of of um, we we don't have that type of support. So that's really what that's the crux of everything that's going on. And my fear is now that we're going to have an emboldened majority who believes those schemes work, and we see them failing in Kansas, and a governor who's going to make sure nothing else happens because he's against that as well. Um, it is. I grew up in Independence. I went to William Southern School. I got to go to third grade. Miss Minshaw was a great teacher for me. I remember her distinctly. She had the resources. She had the support. I was able to grow up in this community because of that support and that good schools. I worry about our future when we don't have that. And that's why I'm going to keep talking about tax policy until everyone's bored to death. Because you talk about tax policy, it gets boring, but it's really what happens in our – it's really what builds our state up. And I'm going to keep talking about that. With that said, the other issue that we have is um, as we're going to go into this divided government – I'm going to try to be a strong voice for those things that we should do, not necessarily to get things accomplished, but how we do business. Because the way we do business now in Jefferson City, from our budget process to uh, the way we pass bills at last minute, don't bring any trust whatsoever to the people of Missouri. We, we pass legislation that goes back home and people don't have trust in uh, their state government, local government, local law enforcement, as we've seen in parts of the state. Uh, we need to talk about how we do things in a more accountable, transparent way. Um, I'm going to propose some legislation to make that budget process a little more open, a little more predictable. Um, I don't know exactly how we do that with the fluctuating of $24 billion, but it's a conversation that we have to have on how how do we want to have a state as opposed to are we going to let uh, the winner-take-all mentality, either through TIFFs or anything else, happen? Um, and that's the basic things that I'll be working on. I'll, you know, I, I, January is our session. We're there from January to May. I serve on the Ways and Means Committee, Gubernatorial Appointments Committee. I don't know if I can get into this. You've heard this a lot, Chris. We have a big problem with, with boards and commissions in our state. Most of them aren't even appointed. And most of, a lot of the people on those boards and commissions, the governor had, doesn't even reappoint. So as a Senate, our job is to advise and consent those boards and commissions. And by golly, we, we've been trying so hard to get the governor just to appoint people. And it's been he's been very hard to work with when it comes to those. And you may say, well, what, what difference does that make? If you're uh, opening up a beauty salon and you need your license – 
you need the cosmetology board to be packed full and ready to go for business. If you run um, any of those type of small businesses, a real estate agent, real estate appraiser, I, I had an issue with a tattoo parlor that needed their license, but there was no one on that board. I mean, these are small businesses that create jobs in our community, and we got to have that function of state government work, and I'm, I'm going to continue to work on that. And it's, it, it, again, the problem is the governor doesn't want to put his people in there because the Senate uh, is going to fight with them on everybody, and it's that, it's that uh, fight and instead of us trying to cooperate to, to build our state. Um, where was I? Ways and means, gubernatorial appointments. Anyway, Bad tax policy. Bad tax policy. Education. I, I, are you guys already bored with my sermon of tax, bad tax policy? Because <laughs> if you are, I want to say it again. Because I really do think it's the core of what we need to talk about in our state. With that said, what questions do you guys have? Courtney, you, what question do you have? What question do I have? Yeah. Um, Cover the, the microphone, microphone, please. Right there. Yeah. Hey, we have a question. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. This is Angela. Yes. Okay, Angela was at one of the town meetings, and you made the mistake of telling me that you actually listened to the podcast. So it's you and my dad are the two people who listen now. So two listeners. So take that. Um, I'm just so frustrated, I think, with the the tax policy because we see how it's failing so much in Kansas Mm -hmm. and how the revenues that they're going to have to come up with is just unreal. So I just wonder, like, in a common sense brain, like, what is the explanation that people will say that this is actually going to work in Missouri? And I'm just so frustrated that people reelect, you know, the same governor in Kansas who is doing this. And I'm just I'm I just don't understand. You know, so that's – I, 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 I completely share that frustration because you have a – and these town hall meetings aren't partisan, but you know there's the majority party in, in where I am, but there's just this dogma, dogma that believes if you cut taxes, it's going to build businesses. And it just it's – it's a myth. And I believe you have strong tax policy, right? And you targeted tax cuts may work. Some targeted TIFs have worked. Some even tax credits. Those are off the board on some of them, but some of them work. But you got to be smart about it. You can't just cut and then expect it to come because it hasn't happened to Kansas. And you look at Kansas, and you and you see the Governor Brownback did this and got reelected. That's the other part of the problem. How do we engage folks? That is why I'm sitting here with this microphone and this silly stuff around here because I'm trying to think of how do you educate folks to get involved. And I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. I, when I was eight years old, uh, I was driving down the street. My dad was driving me down the street. We stopped, and he said, here's a thing of brochures. Go knock door to door. I'm running for city council. So that's when I got, became into politics. That's all I know is knocking door to door. Well, you can't knock door to door as much as you can anymore, right? It just, it's just a weird thing. You use Facebook, Twitter, and all this other stuff. But we're just not engaging people enough to go vote. And I'm going to keep trying to do different things because I'm convinced that uh, the people in Missouri, if they see the way we do our budget particularly, they're going to say, you know what, 
we need some more accountability and transparency there. I wish I had the answer. There's my Aunt Patty, yes. Chris, that's your Aunt Patty. That's actually my Aunt Patty. I know, but, but I share her with I've you. I've known her for yes. so long that I like Clamor. Aunt Patty, you're going to need to come up to the microphone. Or, or I can or you can rephrase. Repeat it. Yes, yeah. if you'd like to stay there and ask you me. I want her to come up and see me. Yes. Do you have it? <laughs> yeah. She Cor- should be. Courtney, do you have that on? Do you have that on? <laughs> yeah, it's on. Okay. Well, first I want to thank Paul for putting the information about the amendments on my email. Okay. And I did pass those on to several people. But I'm quite concerned that the young people are not voting. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to get them enthused? And how can we change the voting so it's not just one day? And can it be electronic? Can it be by eye recognition? By, Mm -hmm. you know, how can... I'm not smart enough on the technology part of this, but things have to change. Mm -hmm. And... I talk to all young people, and I tell them that it's very important you vote. And if you don't vote, you can't complain. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pay taxes, you don't have any services. And I'm the first one that calls to get them street cleared off. Right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Councilman Whiting is who you need to call. That's right. (laughs) And I'm also in favor of always vote for the parks and the road tax because look what our city has. And you young people that are here don't realize what the older people are doing up at the Palmer Center. Addison? Okay. They're line dancing. They're tap dancing. We've got one woman that line dances 94 years old. We've got the Adventure Oasis Swim Park. I didn't have that when I was Uh a kid. We had what we called the Nasty Torium. (laughs) It was a natatorium. Oh, yeah, yeah. That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a good time. And, you know... You, the young people, they just, they've just got to get out and vote. So I hope you, this comes up. You know, we, the, 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 on the ballot was uh, early voting. Right. And from the very beginning of that was a complete uh, sham, early voting. Six days before the Wednesday, 8 to 5 at the county seat. Right. Doesn't really help those folks that work 8 to 5, right? right? And the reason that came up quickly in the legislature was there was a petition initiative to make real early voting similar to what other states do six weeks out. The people in charge didn't want that. There also was, and I serve on the Financial Government Relation, Government Oversight and Elections Committee where we heard this, and the, some of the biggest folks against that bill were county clerks. And I had a county clerk come up and say, you know, if you, exp- if you have real early voting, it will cost us more money. And I said, you know what also would save money? If we never voted. And, you know, I don't know how you can run for county clerk and then be against voting. It just doesn't make sense to me, right? That's what they do. So I, I'm not very optimistic that how we're going to get past a mindset that says we want less people to vote. That's the mindset we have in Jefferson City now. And I don't know how we do it. And I also don't know – I think maybe a petition initiative is a way to do it. But we have to think – and you're, you've got it right, Patty. Uh, other times to vote, other ways to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my daughter Madeline was here earlier, but they vote. They go online on their student council and they vote. Right. You know, right. it, it, To me, it's like get to the polls at 8 o'clock, vote, 
with a paper ballot, maybe show up later and vote again. You know, you know, this is Jackson County. Is I'm Chicago? just kidding. What? I'm just kidding. Anyway, my point is I'm old school. My point is I'm old school, and we have to stop thinking about this is the way we do things, and those millennials, we have to think about how we get them involved. And um, I, we have to we have to have public officials that are keep trying to do that. I shouldn't make jokes like that, should I? Well, Can I we think edit maybe you should out? be more cool, and then like the kids will like you and want to. I don't think it's that's not going to happen. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, we no? we got to come happen. up with another tactic. There we go. Great. My question was about a real early voting initiative. I'd seen a Facebook post that if the 99% voted, uh-huh. it wouldn't matter what the 1% wanted. That's right. I wish we could figure it out that if you voted early, then no more, edu- no more um, electoral commercials or phone calls. <laughs> right. That once you voted, that stopped. Mm-hmm. At least at your house. Yeah, that would vote that. Yeah. But well, a you know, there real is, uh, early ahead. voting that you could even mail in, mm-hmm. like Washington State. Mm-hmm. They haven't gone to pot. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, that. probably what I probably what we well, should do. Well, <laughs> that, that's do funny. Too. Depends on how that's you good. Mean. <laughs> you know, probably I, I, it probably would be worth the conversation. For me to introduce those type of things, even though I I don't know how we get past this majority, I think I need to do that just to get keep that conversation going. But you mentioned, you know, how do you stop the negative? Here's what's also going on in Missouri, and quite frankly, it's going on every place else, but it's worse in Missouri. We have no limits when it comes to how much uh, someone can contribute to a campaign. And so, with that said. You have unlimited campaign finance. Money can throw, roll into uh, a campaign. What do campaigns use that money for? Mail and television. And what happens, and Courtney's kind of an election expert if you want to speak to this, but it doesn't really change people's minds. It makes less people vote. And so I think what we need, what we can do is do a petition initiative to have campaign limits and in the campaign language or the ballot language say, are you tired of negative campaigning? Are you tired of those commercials? Because if we limit that money, less of that would happen. Another question back there. A couple comments and questions. As far as young voters, I think, uh, and this is something in my personal life, uh, uh, maybe a better explanation of some of the issues going on. Uh Um, a lot of, I use my nephew as an example, brilliant kid, but a lot of the uh, legal jargon or right. the issues have language in them that they have no idea what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So they vote maybe because what mom and dad said or whatever. So maybe right. maybe and, re, redoing the way the policy, not, there, not the policy itself, but explanation. But also remember, remember part of that's by design too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, confusion. Part of that is yeah. by design. Absolutely. Where you you know, especially that early voting one was a perfect example of trying to make you think it's early voting. And what is um, I'm excited about that, that failed because I think the people of Missouri saw through that. Absolutely, the people of Missouri said, "Come on, you know, you, you see it in um, a tax increase for roads that they rejected in in August, even though we all probably would agree we need money for roads." 
they saw through the people in Missouri can see through some of the stuff. And you're right. People aren't going to vote and they're not going to be engaged. If you try to make it too complicated, they're just going to vote. No. Well, absolutely. And, that, and that's what I'm just saying. Get younger, younger people involved. I think we may have to rethink the way we explain and present the information to right. them. Um, a lot of these kids literally live off 140 characters. Twitter. Uh-huh. I mean, that's what they understand. Yeah. I'm not saying we need to dumb down policy, but maybe we need to rewrite the a version we present mm-hmm. to them so that it, they can understand what they're actually voting for and why it matters and things I, like that. I can agree more. And I, I, you know, the, the dumbing down, I don't want to do that, yeah, no, but I, you have to, you have to take people from where they are, absolutely. you know, that's and that's, what that's I mean, what's that's important. Where our society is that, I mean, we know Twitter is a means of communication for a lot of these kids mm-hmm. that they can't even have a face to face conversation. Right. They're so engaged in that. And then uh, a couple things on the tax still, um, how much does Missouri really take in for the schools from, like, the lottery taxes and casinos, gambling, and stuff like that? Uh, I realize it varies. You know, when it first came to Missouri, a lot of that was, oh, this is all for the schools, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. How much is really going to the schools? And then with other states starting to prove tax revenue, how much serious consideration is Missouri looking into, like, a marijuana legalization just because of the tax benefits yeah. and businesses coming in? I realize there's negative sides to it, but – the potential tax revenue I mean, we're seeing Colorado is filling their coffers. Not everybody may be behind the actual issue, but I mean, that's something that's going on. And we realize other states are taking advantage of it and they're actually seeing tourism and residency increase because of uh-huh. that. And it well, may not be that may not be the element you necessarily want, but I mean, how much consideration are you really looking into that? Well, I, I can tell you, I'll tell you about the lottery and the, ga- and the gambling and how that worked. Those are both approved, maybe even the 80, late 80s, but they were in the 90s. And what happened in the legislature at that time was the people of Missouri voted for those measures, and they were proposed as more money for education. But we all thought it was more money for education. Okay? During the boom times of the 90s, they cut taxes on the other end. So the money came in from gambling, and the money comes in from lottery, and then we they cut on the other side. So now we don't even fund our foundation formula with that extra money because we cut money on sales sales tax for food. They did that, I think, 98. Um, and so this whole dogma of let's cut, 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 a billion dollars since 2003 since I've been in the legislature – Cut, cut, cut. That's why, even though that money's still going to education, the rest of it's going down. Now, the lottery is interesting because uh, there was an audit where um, not the high, the percentage of what it should be going to wasn't going through. They were spending either too much money on uh, uh, advertising and things. So the governor went in there and replaced all the commissioners. So it is my hope that with that pretty bold action that he did – that we'll get back to the lottery. But then again, it's not an answer to, 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 I mean, sound tax policy where people understand what they're paying for. And that's another problem we have in the state of Missouri. There's a lot of things people don't even know what they're supposed to pay because we have some Department of Revenue with, with, with unclear guidelines. But once people know what they need to pay and what the resources are for, I believe we're fine. We are, um, gosh darn it, I hope I'm, we're, we're, I'll, I was going to use a number of all to make sure I'm accurate. We are one of the lowest tax burden states in the country, and we like that. 
people in Missouri, we like low taxes, but we also believe that we should have the resources. So the marijuana thing, my belief is this. I think that is an issue that will happen. I think it's an issue of uh, personal rights. I think it's an issue that, of freedom that people will have the right to do things. Um, I, I, we saw some progress in the legislature last year when we legalized hemp oil for the use of, for kids who have epilepsy. And uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Senator Eric Schmidt, made a very profound speech on the Senate that talked about his son and the use of using this type of, of hemp oil to, to help with his seizures. Right. So I look at that and I think, well, I was proud to vote for that. And then I think about all of us know someone who, su- who has suffered from cancer. And if they can have some relief, I'm okay with legalizing that. Um, and then I also take that one step further, which I think we're going, is where we have, we have all kinds of things that are legal that are bad for us. I would say marijuana is bad for you. I would say it's not a good idea to smoke marijuana. I would also say you can't overdrink and you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. And, uh, oh, by the way, you see all the chicken I ate down there for dinner. <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a point of, of where we're going to be as a country. We're going to decide at some point we're going to stop wasting money on uh, the judicial system, to le- and we're going to end up legalizing that. And I would support legislation like that. I just – you, you see yeah. – Obviously, not yeah. to see the financial records, but it seems like it could be a tax boom. But also, there's a lot of negativity, well, and you got to do it the right way. You know, I, I if you notice, I didn't mention my my thoughts. I didn't mention the tax boom. I don't feel secure that this general assembly wouldn't just give a big tax cut if we brought in more money. <laughs> I think they would waste the money that we would have. I just think from a personal freedom thing is where we should should approach it seems that. Like an Right. We tax everything, and and like you said, from the uh, judicial side, you know, I mean, our prison infrastructures and things like that are being overburdened by that. When maybe that's a way we could save money. That's and, right. And do like that's that. right. Thank you. Hi there. Hi. Um, I am just wondering, <clears throat> in your experience being in the the state legislature, how many bills are presented to you that are written by ALEC, the American uh, Legislative Executive Council? Yes. And how um, are, are they, like, railroaded through? I've just heard a yes. lot about it, and um, I'm very suspect of it. Well, I am too, and, and the American Legislative Exchange Council is a, is a group of legislators that they're funded by uh, big business and they they have legislation that advances their cause and um, we had a bill this year that was dealt with some tax issues that the governor vetoed in the letter the governor vetoed and and representative you remember exactly what the issue was the governor mentioned that there was something wrong with the bill because they cut and paste exactly what Alex said. Yeah, yeah. And yes, they're railroad, railroaded through. Okay. Now, with that said, there, there, there are there are model legislation that happens from state to state. That does happen, but it seems as though over and over again, 
Alec is is something that continually comes up and doesn't. In, they're either against public schools or a real bad tax policy. Right. So I have one other yeah. <clears throat> remark, kind of question about for-profit prisons <clears throat> that um, correlates with the legalization of marijuana. For the taxpayers to be burdened with putting up people in prison for nonviolent marijuana right. crimes mm -hmm. seems to me a waste of public funds. I agree with you. I don't know if you guys saw in New York City they uh, decriminalized part of it, and the whole idea was they were putting too many people. They just couldn't put people in jail, and it, it cost too much money. And it, and it is silly to think that you can be in Denver doing something or now Washington, D.C., and then come here and then go to jail for a long time for it. It just doesn't. Senator, I have a quick question. Yes, Courtney. Um, what are you, as you move into this next legislative session, looking forward to the most in regard to uh, a bill that you're going to sponsor or who you're going to work with or just what are your feelings? Because I don't believe you'll have another town hall prior to right. session. Right. Um, I, I, really, I, I really like being in the Senate. Um, we have uh, – New members, we have, uh, I think, six new members that will be coming into the Senate. Mm -hmm. um, one Democrat and I think other, maybe even seven of them. I look forward to working with those folks because the Senate is the place, has still been the place for a little more dialogue and more mm -hmm. cooperation, regardless of some of these th other things. So I do like that aspect of it. Um, I, I, um, I'm looking forward to... Uh, trying to have those conversations about, um, like I get tax policy, minimum wage, Medicaid expansion, which are big things, but also things that you know I passed last year in the budget that we need to try again because the governor vetoed it was getting money for the independence um, crime rod. So I'll be working on that. Uh, last session, uh, I passed a bill that named the Lynn Dawson Bridge. That was fun. Um, you know, the Royals went to the World Series, which didn't happen before I was in the Senate. Just so I want to bring that up. Um, <laughs> but but as far as, you know, there's always... There's, didn't the Chiefs go to the playoffs, The Chiefs too? went to the playoffs, okay. too, since I've been in. But th there, are, there are things like that where you can find your cooperation. But I just think primarily one of the big issues we're still going to have are, are, are fights. And, um, you know, again, like I said, I, I think we need to really figure out how we do things. Mm -hmm. And people like me that are frustrated, it, it, it's incumbent on us to even be even more cooperative right. and more of, of trying to understand where folks are coming from. Well, and we're in the minority now, the super-duper minority. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen a strategy that the majority has taken over the years in putting all these ballot initiatives up for us to vote on and we have very few amount of people who are going now and actually changing our you know state constitution um, with these initiatives that have been pushed by uh, one man in particular Rex Sigfield you know right. who's basically buying our legislature and also trying to have influence on our constitution too so uh, the question is we've already wow, seen that there. wow what'd you say that's a lead up Yes. So the question is, 
We've seen now petitions starting for the legalization of marijuana in our state, which has just been turned in last week to the Secretary of State's office. What other initiatives would you look forward to if they were being presented for the citizens of the state to vote on? Well, there there was a considerable effort for early voting. I'd like to see see that happen again. I've heard talk that groups are going to do that. And then uh, it was in 2013 that Governor Nixon talked about a petition initiative for campaign finance numbers. I think those those are pretty core things. Um, I think that would be very helpful if we did that. Oh. Uh, how do you keep your enthusiasm going <clears throat> when – to me, uh, who've lived a long time and in many places in the world, you see a swing going in a certain direction, and sometimes the only way to change it is the people that voted it in are going to have to see the results. Right. Even even uh, Governor Brownback, uh, there's a lot of information about what was happening in Kansas, but he survived mm-hmm. because he said, my philosophy has not kicked in yet mm-hmm. but when it does we will all see the benefits and so there's a lot of people that are probably seeing that um, you know I'm just going to not do much because is there no value and how do you keep uh, saneness about you <laughs> that, that, well. that that still but still <laughs> yeah talks to the core issues, the worth of people, the expanding the voice of everyone, and so forth, even though we'll probably not see uh, in the next few years here in Missouri, we'll probably not see a groundswell yet for helping everyone, Mm -hmm. and you'll see the special interests gaining gaining more strength. But there comes a time when that happens. Now, I hope it's not going to be like global warming, you know, maybe when we all realize it, right? Maybe it's too late. We don't want it. We we <laughs> want people to realize it before things are too so, late. So, but but my personal philosophy is that you still need to lift up those measures that are of value, even though you know the majority will vote it down, or will laugh at it, or will will find some way to do it. But one day, people are going to realize. Maybe we have greater responsibilities and need to take this initiative. I hope, for example, that you don't become a large evil voice against all those that are doing the things they're doing now. There has to be rational ways of presenting information Mm -hmm. and say, uh, could we discuss this together or could we get a – a forum to discuss it rather than bad-mouthing everything goes right. on. And, and so I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of great hope in the short run, but the basic principles for me are still the same. I needed that. Thank you. Because, you know, if you look at the election last week, um, there's a lot of folks elected to the legislature that are against increasing the minimum wage, which I think is important. When you increase the minimum wage, you get people who work full-time actually can be off of the uh, poverty level and won't have to have government subsidies. 
it's it's only moral to have people who work full time be able to make it in this country. I believe. Um, I believe that we need to have Medicaid expansion to help folks with health care and get that two billion dollars. Most people that were elected last week don't believe that. So I've been thinking a lot. You know, these are the opinions I have, but the people of Missouri have voted differently. So what do I do? And I think your advice is exactly how you keep going. You keep trying to over, over communicate the things that you believe in, communicate things you think are good, but also try to not be uh, Mr. Negative, which I could be sometimes. In the minority, it's hard. I've, I've been in the minority in the Senate. They did a uh, they cut off debate at one issue, and um, you know I think it calls for an even greater part of statesmanship and cooperation. Quite frankly, I don't have anything, and I know you don't at the city for sure, anything worse than what Harry, what Harry Truman had, had to face or what other generations had to face. I mean, this if you look, if you look at it in things that way, we can face these things together. All we have to do is band together, and we have to do a better job of doing that. I really liked what you said, Joe, about keeping the faith, keeping the hope for a long-term view that eventually – these ideals about worth of people will prevail. And it, it reminds me of a quote of Wayne Gretzky's that I love. He said that good hockey players play the puck where it is. Great hockey players play the puck where it's going to be. So I think in the short term, you've got to keep up. You've got to play on the playground with the rules of the playground as they are now. But you've got to hold on and look long term to where you want it to right. go and play the puck out there as well. I'd like to see you hold them accountable for their actions, really. And I agree. You can see where co- trying to cooperate has got you nowhere because they're not going to co- cooperate. They're going to keep perpetrating the big lie, mm-hmm. which they've done year after year, and they stay on task and they don't waver from that. And just well, like that road tax, that they don't want to do their job and fund road repairs because they don't have the money to do it. So they come to us right. asking us to do their right. job for them. Because of they bad need, tax policy. That's right. They need to be held accountable for that, just like with education. Well, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. And I do that in the Senate, and that's kind of my role in the Senate, to sit there and try my best and, and keep them accountable and keep really speaking the truth to power, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the role of a senator as well. <laughs> I, I don't remember the city, but some cities have started to pass legislations on a local level to prohibit outside money from mm. any local Kansas City's done that. So, you know, that's one petition that could be started in Independence because I don't see where Noel Torpy ought to get 200000 or $300,000 of outside money right. for a job that pays $30,000 a right. year. I mean, that's a joke, and they're buying our government. Uh huh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for doing this, by the way. Um, you talk about school. You talk about education. I'm thinking. I'm a nurse, and I've been a nurse for over 15 years. What do you feel about the nurses, especially regarding independence? Because we've lost hope because we have no backing whatsoever. I'm not going to bad mean, mouth anybody, you know, but there is a... You mean dis- like a particular hospital or... Well, just, a, yes, and healthcare in general, a lot of hospitals, but yeah, one particular hospital. 
these nurses care and they don't have time. They work 12 and a half hour shifts, so they can't vote. They're not allowed to vote. Right. They don't have a break to go vote. And another thing you say about bringing money in. What about like, have you thought about Robert Wood Foundation? I mean, they literally promote healthier communities. Because if we're not healthy, then nothing's going to matter if you're not being able to use that. I mean, they give you a certain amount of grants with stipulations. But there are a lot of nurses that are ready to do things and make a difference. And we feel like we have no backup at all. Well, I I appreciate you being here. And I know you'll keep me accountable to back that. Because nursing is exactly one of those professions that we don't pay enough. And then it basically um, affects your family and, and on and on, you have to work those 12 hours so you can't go vote. And by the way, you can go, you can always go vote absentee and tell them I got to work that day. So make sure you tell all your friends that, but you know, foundations and money coming in, those are all well and good. I think the answer is that we have Medicaid expansion come in and get our money back to our state to the tune. Of, at one point it was $2 billion from the federal government that we pay. I mean, you paid federal taxes, right? We all did. And they should come back here to help make our areas healthy. There was a great uh, article in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday from Charlie Shields, who went to this high school, who, um, for all his for all his faults, he was he, he was a Republican senator. God bless him. But he now runs um, Truman Medical Center, and he's if we don't do Medicaid expansion, Truman Medical Center will um, lose lots of the services that they provide. The services they provide are nurses like yourself. You know, it's we can always act like it's a building or anything, but it's people, and um, it, it is we're going the wrong way in healthcare. And you know, I'm a supporter of bringing that in. I'm a supporter of some some changes at the federal level. I think we've tried to do that. People are mad at the president for trying to do that. It's not perfect. We have some things we need to change, but uh, backing nurses because that primary care I think is crucial to do. That's not very specific, but I really do believe that. We don't care about the money. That's not why we went into the field. It's the fact that we want to take care and educate right. and provide resources. I had to get out of the yard ER because there, no, there was no other resources to give people. Right. We have no bus system. Like the things that people need, the 99 percenters, there's nothing for them anymore. We used to have outlets. That's right. And I'm a person that I came. You have to have tools to be able to succeed. Right. One person that cares, and then tools. Mm-hmm. We have no tools in this community. We need to like focus on public health and why we wait around for everybody to get with the program mm-hmm. on Medicare, you know, Medicaid expansion. Can we not like look at other outlets? Because I don't think that's working well, right now. I, like I want it. To I'm be. I'm all for other. It just it, it, to me and. When you have bad tax policy, you don't pay for the things that are important. And I guess maybe that's in in my chair. I need to keep saying that and be creative about some other ways, too. Well, and wouldn't you say, too, then, that the nurses, if this is an issue, then, you know, they can, of course, organize, raise their voices, come to the Capitol, you know, speak to the representatives. I'll come talk to your your group of nurses. Because I would like to have some ideas as well. Right. Having your voice is so important. So even having you speak to it is, is great. Encourage your I'm friends to as well. Nurses and a lot of organizations that are willing to help, but even like the statewide that we have, we need more work. Mm-hmm. We need to get involved. But after you work twelve and a half hours, that's right. And you don't have a bathroom break. You don't. That's right. Because you want to save lives. That's uh-huh. what you're doing. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I have to go to the bathroom right now. I have to have lunch. We'll go bypass all of that as long as we can give good quality care. And the problem is, is that's 
that's changed too. And right. This is, this is an independence. This is our community. I wish I had a great. We're going to keep talking. Hello, sir. How you Have doing? you been to every one of my town hall meetings ever since I, I was a rep? I got something to say about that. Okay. I wasn't even in your. Uh, in my house district. House of Representatives district. When I wasn't getting any representative information from mine, and I asked you if, you, if I could come to yours, and you gentlemen enough to say yeah, I could. Yeah. And I want to thank you. I, well, I've, d- I've done these so many times, and I think uh, I love the great turnout tonight. I think one time it was just me and you one time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate it, so thank you. Yeah. Did you did, and you had dinner, right? I did have okay, dinner. Good. good. It was good dinner, too. Okay, good. Now, my thing is, say. I'm really upset about this labor deal. The House of Representatives passed a bill they wanted to lower, pass right to work. Mm-hmm. And our honorable governor, smart enough, he vetoed it. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language, but you got a bunch of son of a bitches down there that's going to try to do it this year. That's right. I, wanted, I, wanted, I hope you get enough power to throw it out. And I'm sorry I say what I did, but I'm an old Irishman. I say what I think. I have been, th- and I have been thrown out two grocery stores for explaining my information. So if you want, so if you want to throw me out here tonight, that's your privilege. But I, I, Chris, no, do you want to do that? Oh, oh heck no! This okay. is fun. No, I, no, you know, I've heard his name in the city council, and I didn't know who he was. But I'm glad to meet you. I live on R.D. Mice, and I'm Bill Gillespie, and I was told Hallmark that I could cause more trouble than a bunch of monkeys. Well, Bill, it's good to meet you. I grew up on R.D. Mice. So. Yeah, well, he told me about two years ago that you was my district, but I, I know the name, but I didn't know who you are. But, Paul, this is all I've got to say, but I am, I am very upset because I worked in a place for 27 years in non-union, and I'll tell you why. I also I got took a human resource at one time because the steel workers on strike and I said here's excuse my language I said I hope they mean that goddamn wage increase and somebody my supervisor said what did you say I said I hope they win it he said well you know we're not union I said no but by God you're we're getting the salary because keeping the union out I said I ain't that dumb but I said he said well you know you'll never get me supervisor and I said if I have to be like you I wouldn't want to be one right well you. Yeah, <laughs> you know you could say you can you can say those words on a podcast. No, to answer your question, the the House of Representatives had I think eighty maybe representative back there. I keep looking at him, seventy eight votes. So it passed the House on what's called a first reading or or second reading, but it didn't have enough to pass on the third reading. Um, there are, there are a lot of Republicans in the House at the time who are against right to work, or right, who are against that. But now we have more numbers, so I'm very worried about that. I think um, it will be an issue, and it is one of those things I can tell you. I can think of three other senators besides myself that will dominate the floor and filibuster that thing to its death. The, the opportunity we have, as we had last year, is what other things do we have to give up to have that happen? Because they, uh, the majority can do what's called move the previous question, which cuts debate off, which they did on, on a uh, ridiculous um, bill that would hurt women's rights. And um, so we, that, is, that rises to the level of standing up as long as I can to stop that right to work. What other questions? 
Mr. Schneider there. He haven't, we haven't heard from you. He wore a tie. <laughs> <laughs> well, just came off of work. Uh, I'd like to talk about something. I think I've mentioned this before, uh, something that actually should be of, uh, of bipartisan uh, support, and, that, and that, that would be, uh, yeah, good. Uh, heritage Tourism. And, and and Chris mentioned this when he when he started talking also, and and we also talked about the success of the the chiefs and the royals. Well, p- part of that success it kind of demonstrates uh, that the the welcome center we have there for for tourists that that drive on I seventy is really dysfunctional. Yes, mm-hmm. because um, um, when when there's a sporting event there, they literally have to to close the welcome center. Because they can't, they can't get people in and out of there, and that was the whole reason for putting it there. Because it would get all the traffic, and and the welcome center there has the lowest head counts of all the state welcome centers, you know, in every corner of the state. So I'll give you an update on that because you've told me about this <laughs> okay. before. So I've met, I met with the um, Department of Tourism, yeah. Missouri Department of Tourism, and the problem they have is they actually own that building. They don't own the other visitor centers throughout the yeah. state. So I talked and talked and tried to get them to figure out a different way to go. So the next method is what I'll be doing next session is through the budget process and maybe through legislation that would uh, transfer some money between the count or transfer not money but the property – between the county, city, because um, – and I talked to the sports authority about this as well. Good. Do, do a conveyance of that property to them yeah. and then some property someplace else the county can have to the state right. to have a nice thing. So um, they dug their heels in. I'm telling you, <laughs> she dug her heels in. It uh, seems like the fact that they would own it would mean they actually have control over it. You know, so they it, do have it, control over so it, it and make, it's poorly make it run. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I forget who I sent up there the other day, um, and they didn't even know where it was. Right. Um, well, it I've is, been there recently. Yeah. Was I, it, I, I, you t- tell me it, that story? I took a field trip out there, okay. and they have brochures for sites that aren't open anymore. It's, it is an yeah. embarrassment. Yeah. When, when, you, when you think about what the city has done, right. um, or the, really the county has done also with the courthouse. Right. Um, it's it's an embarrassment that the state of Missouri would have just such a throwaway facility. Right. And so um, I apologize for not getting back with you on that, but that was an idea that I think right. you shared with me, and I'm going to keep seeing what we can do there. That's what I look forward to, Courtney, it's things like that. No, I, I really appreciate it. And um, I think, you know, I might suggest if, if, a, new, if a new welcome center would be at, at Little Blue Parkway, you know, so we can you well know, that so was they would or have Nolan the, Road have, even or, or Nolan Road well, where they would you, have the amenities, uh, you know, of, of, of restaurants and shopping also. Uh-huh. Well, I'll keep. I'll, 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 we'll forget. Maybe I worked with you on that one, Chris. Because if, if there's do, a city, I, if there's a city place you, too, to me it's, the county the county makes sense. Some type of moving that to the county because we do those conveyances all the time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but maybe I'll talk. Well, let's work on that. Little okay. Little yeah. Blue is a good idea for yeah. a location. I, selfishly, as a representative of Independence, we, you know, we want it in our city. But the way I, you know, if anyone else has been there, the you know, Little Blue would be great. Really, anywhere else would be fine. <laughs> I mean, else. it really is. It really is. Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll keep 
And this, well is like, this is and you, you know, renewed we all pay, by charge we, on that. You know, the, we we pay state taxes to support this, uh-huh. and other corners of the state get a little bit better, get better bang for their buck. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, the, we 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 you know our tourism numbers are down. You know, in Independence, so so you know we we need to. We need to work. Independence has to do more than just do, just work within our own city limits. You know, we need to work with the county and the and the state and and such. And so, and I'd also mention again uh, with the states with the states bicentennial coming up, the 200th anniversary of, of the state of Missouri, which will be uh, in 2021. Mm-hmm. It's it's it it's it, you know the, the state historical society is plant doing doing the plans now. And, uh, and so I urge you to to, to support the pl- the planning that's going on there for that. I, I appreciate you being here yeah. and reminding me to to be on top of that. Okay, thank Good. you. Thanks. What other questions? Yes, a ma'am. Comment and a question. Um, first of all, I want to thank the state of Missouri for the stimulus money that they set aside for homeowners to upgrade their. Um, uh, their heating systems, yeah. and I got geothermal through that. So okay. thank you. And um, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. That will be an issue. Do we continue that next? Okay. So because I was just, I'm wanting to do solar now because okay. my electric bill is a bit higher than what it was before, uh-huh. even though I've, the gas bill is less, but yeah. the electric bill is more. So I want to do solar. And are there any plans or anything to do tax credits for solar upgrades? There, there, there is a tax credit for certain type of solar upgrades. Um, we heard a bill to try to extend it last year. I think it. it yeah. Did you hear that? The same, same. So um, I, I'm glad to know that here's someone that would take it. That I do have. I, one of the reservations I have with solar is those are pretty expensive, and it seems as though well, there's the lots of coming down, and there's a lot of different technology now. That's good to know because what I don't want to do, I don't think it's fair to give a subsidy to, um, quite frankly, someone who can afford a big a lot of solar on their on their business while the rest of us have to subsidize them. I, I'm not for that, but. But right. you're right. The technology the is getting better. Was twenty two thousand dollars, so it wasn't cheap either. Yeah. Um, so, but solar is just so, just no brainer. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. like you get them there, and then you're collecting energy from the universe. What did you do? Like, what you guys did something on that, didn't you? We have. We uh, passed a resolution that's asked the city and Independence Power and Light. To do a feasibility study on alternative sources of energy and taking a look at can we do subsidies for solar or other alternative forms of energy. But the the same issue is let's not do it on on the backs of the folks that can't afford it, make the folks that can't afford it pay higher rates. So we're looking at that and also looking into the feasibility of doing perhaps a solar farm. I mean, we've got 38 square miles of undeveloped area in within the city limits of Independence. So if we can find the right place, maybe it makes sense to build a solar farm that helps, you know, all of IPL and not just people that can afford solar panels on their own property. And the study, I, I don't remember exactly, I think it's June, June or July of 2015, the results of the study are due back to the city council, and then we'll decide what action to take. 
One Question. thing you could introduce would be to end that ethanol requirement at the state level that Blunt put in there when he was governor. Right. So you could end that because that takes more energy to produce ethanol than you get back out right. of it. And the ethanol, ethanol uh, subsidy so, or whatever, you know, right, well, it was really a kick. It was really for the corn growers to get a little bit more. That's right, and but it's a requ he put it in as a requirement, right? That you had to have it. So that's something you could introduce. Yeah. Okay. Anything else, <laughs> Representative? Do you have anything to add? Or I appreciate you being here. And well, typically the House doesn't know what they're talking about, and the Senate has to fix everything. So. <laughs> That is high praise. <laughs> that, that is high praise. Okay, well, I, you know, don't, you know, I don't know why you have to remind me of that, that time. I still have flashbacks of that. So, but thanks for, thanks to everybody. Chris, I don't know if you want to say anything else. Or I just want to thank everybody for coming out. You know, one of the big themes was how do we get people involved? The involvement in this room was very encouraging tonight. The turnout's encouraging, and you guys just keep spreading the word. Talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends. That's how we'll get people more involved, or at least one way we can do it. So thank you all for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thank you.